Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most informational, educational, and entertaining podcast for auto detailers. Welcome to the community. Hi, welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. My name is Marshall Hill. I'm your guide as we get to journey through the car care industry. You can find me on Instagram at HyperCleanMarshall. If you're on TikTok, find me at Detail Supply App. Best way to get in touch, though, shoot me a text direct, 918-800-1188. Joined today by Nick. You can find him at HyperCleanNick. Or if you want, that's on Instagram. If you want to get in touch with him direct, shoot him an email, nick at vegasrides.com. Nick, before we get into the BS, right, the buying and selling, but before we get into the BS, I'm hopping in too. Some spatting Oktoberfest. Right. So I'm going to take a little journey over the next little bit because it is October. I mean, we are in October and I've yet to really drink an Oktoberfest beer, but Oktoberfest has finally made its way back to Tulsa. We actually have one of the, I think it was ranked like third or fifth somewhere. It's top 10 in the nation, surprisingly, for Oktoberfest. Um, I know that's not a big deal for you. But for those of us that enjoy anything other than uh, a light, refreshing beer, such as Michelob Ultra, uh, Oktoberfest is a fun thing. There's food, there's brats, there's all kinds of crazy stuff, and there's chicks in little skirts drinking a lot of beer. So it's a really interesting time mixed with the big fat dudes that are wearing skirts drinking a lot of beer. So <laughs> have you ever been to an Oktoberfest? Yeah, for sure. And uh, never went back. <laughs> I was, a, I, was a, I was a little bit like, all right. I mean, it's fun, but I hate brats. That's on buying and selling this week. What I'm selling <laughs> brats. Uh, I don't know how people eat them. I I've had them every way. I've tried to give them a shake. It's like, dude, I don't like them. Huh? That's interesting to know. Yeah, I, I absolutely love brats. It's one of my Good. like. It's my guilty pleasure, right? I can't, can't eat a lot them. of that stuff. And like, <laughs> I'm so excited about going and getting big ass brat. Like, so when we went to the fair, I mean, I had to get a big giant corn dog. Like, I don't know yeah, what like it's about dogs. a big piece of I like sausage. Corn dogs. I, hey. I just love a big piece of sausage. I guess. I like I like corn dogs, but there's something about brat texture, and I don't know. It's not it's not my thing. Hot links, those types of things, I'm all cool with. Uh, but yeah, I can't, I can't do brats. You can do a hot link, but a jalapeno brat you can't do. I mean, again, we're getting back into the almond discussion <laughs> yeah. to make a brat delicious. You have to alter exactly what a brat is. This is the thing people don't realize. If you have to change what a food is, the food sucks. Doesn't matter what it is. If you got to add all this shit to it, then the brat was never that good to begin with. If I don't like a normal brat, then I'm out on the brat. Uh, the crazy thing for me on Oktoberfest isn't the brats. It's if you walk through the tent and you don't have your hand over your mug, boy, you got a lot of beer money, but you got a lot of coins down in the bottom of your, the first time I walked through the tent, I had no idea. And all of a sudden I just felt all this, like, what the hell? And I see all these people throwing pennies at me and I'm like, what the fuck is everybody? And there's all these people walking around. I didn't know what was going on. Finally, somebody was like covered. And I'm like, what? And I start seeing all these people walking by with hands over their beer. And I'm like, 
Oh. It's like when you used to pull that prank where you would hit the top of a beer bottle with the other beer bottle and make it. I mean, it is funny. <laughs> you know, it's just not funny when it's all over you. You're like, oh, shit. Yeah, that beer was gone. I was like, there's no way in hell I'm drinking. All yeah, this no beer. way. Like, I mean, you, no know how, you know how dirty coins are? Like once that shit touches, you just got to dump it out and just take a loss. And you know how many coins they would have picked up off the ground just so they could throw more, right? So, yep. yeah. Not only did it touch their hand, it touched the ground, it touched a billion other people's hands. Yeah, that's that's got to go. Yeah, I'm out. I'm out. All right, so let's get to the BS, man. Let's get to the BS. Let's cut straight to it. You buying or selling? What is it this week? Yeah, I did say I did say the brat thing. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you what I'm buying a little bit. Actually, a lot. Um, people that can run appointments on time. Okay. I don't care if it's a mechanic. I don't care if it's your doctor. I don't care who it is. I am buying people that run their business efficiently that you as a customer have to go and frequent or, or have an appointment with because it's so rare that people run on time now. And I don't think this is a pandemic thing. People blame it. Have you noticed how everything gets blamed on the pandemic? I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. This has happened pandemic. This, it's like, dude, it was happening 10 years ago. You know, it's like somebody blaming McDonald's for something. It's like McDonald's has been doing the same shit for 10 years. It has nothing to do with the pandemic. So for me, what I'm buying this week is it's so rare when people run on time now with their appointments. If they schedule you, they always have an excuse why they're 15 minutes late or 10 minutes late. And as somebody that's schedule is pretty tight, I really, really appreciate the businesses or the people's, you know, businesses that you get to frequent that are just, hey, if it's an 830 appointment, it's 830. And no excuses, no pandemic talk, no, you know, my kid's sick. I mean, just they just always run efficiently. We try to do that as a business. We, we were pretty successful at it. Uh, but you know, look, when you frequent a, a business like that, it's something that I'm buying for the rest of my life. Like efficiently run businesses are so rare now that when you come in contact with them, it's like, you want to go do as much as you can with that person and that business. All right. So for me, I'm buying fall weather and I'm selling Turkey makes sense. Right. I mean, I agree. if it's getting to the fall, we should be selling turkeys. This is what time to make your money. If you're a Turkey farmer. All right. But Here's the deal, right? So perfect, beautiful weekend. I'm sure most of the places, I mean, here in the Midwest, it was like 75 degrees. You couldn't have asked for a more perfect weekend. And I just had to, though, had to break the news to the girlfriend. It, it wasn't pretty. Uh, I had to talk about the amount of stuff that I was eating that I shouldn't be eating, right? Like not a diet. I don't diet. I just have to, right? Years ago, I just had to as my cholesterol changed. It got skyrocketed. I just, it wasn't a diet that I could go on for a certain amount. I had to change my overall diet, right? I had to change everything I was eating. And so with the great, beautiful weather, she wanted to, to make hamburgers. Great. Happy to make hamburgers too. I'll start that process of healthy eating <laughs> after this weekend. So we're going to cook burgers. Everything's great. I'm out flipping burgers. They look nice. Everything's good. You got that grease flopping and you got the, the flame going up. Oh, yeah. I took a little video of some cheese that I had on that top rack, right? Because after they're on the bottom, then you put them on that top. Put the cheese on, let it melt all over. Oh, yeah. This little cheese was running down. I was like, ah. She goes, oh. She comes out and goes, well, where's yours? What do you? 
What do you mean, my? Oh, well, I had two turkeys for you. Oh. Turkey burgers, you have to season, right? Hamburgers, you don't have to season, right? Hey, you got to just put salt on it, salt and pepper, you're good to go. Turkey, and once again, this this proves my point. You got to put a bunch of shit in the turkey to make it taste good. Turkey sucks. People don't want to hear it. If you have to doctor food up, the the base food stinks. We don't cook, cook turkey at my house. We don't even have turkey for Thanksgiving. Like, can't stand it. I mean, I, I'm with you. I just, it's if I want to eat though, you know, and if I want to live, I had to change yeah. what I ate. So, sure. but I look down and I go, God damn. Like, so I tasted my burger after we put it together. And I was like, this yep. sucks. I was just give me one bite. I just, just give me one bite. And I tried to why, bite don't, it why don't you just go burger, no bun. And then you can eat the hamburger. You know, it's not that you know, I'm not worried about, uh, I'm, I'm not worried about carbs. I'm worried about the fat, the fat. Yeah, we just have, a, we have a difference of opinion. I, I, I actually, you know, I, eat, I like to eat mostly fat and less carbs, you know, but I'm, I'm not successful at the moment. So, I mean, listening to me is I'm eating cake, I'm eating whatever. So since we had the baby, it's like, I, I just, the wheels have come off. So I'm not really the guy to listen to at the moment, but. Well, that's my point of earlier. It's not so much a diet. Like I'm with you. Like if I wanted to lose some weight or something, right. But for me, it was, I had to change to what I, I couldn't eat the fatty foods because it just of cholesterol. Right. Unless, yeah. which I'm going to have to do. I'm just going to have to go make that appointment and go get it checked again. And they're going to go, you really need to be taking this stat. And I'm going to go, okay. I'll take it, you know, like I, cause I don't think I can go back to eating Turkey like that when that burger was so amazing. I mean, it ain't lying, dude. Oh, it, it was delicious. Is. It's oh. such a different experience. Much that, different. That's, that's why you got to sell flavorless food. It, it's <laughs> like, you, you got to be out. You, you got to figure right. out another way. So I did see a post. I didn't want to pick your brain on, right? It's a guy that we liked. You like him a lot more than I do. Uh, and he posts this photo of this big giant elk liver. Oh, His your boy Joe Rogan? Yeah. Joe Rogan, he, right? He, he got a uh I heard he got a freeland uh elk, which is which is pretty hard hunting. So uh yeah, I'm in. I mean, that's how I grew up. So look, it's all about how you cook it. You gotta you gotta be honest about that, especially with wild game. You got to cook things that look really rare to people, but if you overcook wild game meat, it's so bad you can't eat it. Um, so you don't really have a chance, choice but to be medium to medium rare, uh, or even on the really rare side. But yeah, I, I did check that out. So I've done chicken liver, right? That's yeah. you know that somebody made a post on that comp, you know, or, or on that feed. You know, yeah, we grew up eating you know livers yeah. and gizzards all day long. I never thought of liver as being something that was really, really healthy for you. Oh, it's crazy. Usually they put gravy on it. They put all this other shit to your, you know, to your point. Yeah, yeah. Are you into liver? I mean, is that a thing? crazy healthy. Like, if you want to be ultra healthy, if you ate like an ounce or two of liver every day and just stomached it and didn't put all the junk on it, it's like, it's basically what they call nature's multivitamin. It's like, it's got so much. And you got to remember where all this theory comes from and it's it's basically the law of the land type of thing the law of the wild so to speak is the the biggest alpha male gets the organ meat 
when they kill a big animal. So the reason that as a hunter, you don't waste organ meat is because that's sort of the, the pact you make when you go into that world. And that's kind of how I was taught when I, when I was hunted, when I was uh, taught about bow hunting, when I was growing up is like, you got to eat everything. This isn't something where you make, you know, obviously you don't eat the stomach and stuff like that, but anything that's edible and anything that has health value, you, you have to eat. And it's cool to see him doing that. I mean, he's kind of educating people. Obviously he's the biggest, I mean, I don't even know if you can just call him a podcast star. He's probably one of the biggest stars in the world, period, uh, at this point in time. So yeah, I, I did see that. As a matter of fact, I got a bunch of texts about it, uh, you know, because I, I have some customers that are big hunters and I don't know if you're not into it, it's kind of like you're following him and you're like, wow, what's he eating? But if you're into it, you kind of understand what he's. So I think it's cool on both accounts. He's sort of educating people that don't hunt and those that do hunt. You know, everybody kind of gets a share in it together. I'm sure there's a journey into eating liver. You don't want to just hop right into it. So uh, definitely yeah. hit up Nick for those recipes. <laughs> yeah, don't hit up me. <laughs> Look, you just got to be able to stomach that shit. Okay, so. no. How about hit up Cooking with Nick, who's on the uh, the pub? Every oh, there Wednesday you go. Night. Yeah, there you go. We'll Nick see, uh, so anybody wants to know about Cooking with Liver, we'll put Nick on the spot. But it's Cooking with Nick. Uh, <laughs> so go to the community pub and let's ask Nick what he's going to do with liver. Hey, we need to. Also, at the beginning, we forgot the hyperclean specialist, the private uh, Facebook group, uh, something we need to add every time we talk. Guys, go join that group. A bunch of people are sharing great work. You know, I get a bunch of texts. That group will answer most of the stuff now. You know, a lot of guys are in there trying to help out. So, you know, feel free to go in there and join and talk and all that kind of stuff. Good call. Uh, one of the guys that's in there and that's uh, a text I got and is interesting on his journey of where he's at started when he came to our certified training and uh, started as a mobile detailer has now ventured his way over into a shop as we see most uh, seems to be in the industry that seems to be the the kind of journey of where people want to end up I think we've even seen on post where lately you see more people that have started to upgrade their vans uh, from a truck and their hope is also to one day be in a shop it's always seems to be that next phase so good for joe uh out of florida now into a shop and he posted and sent me a, a a picture of some amazing flooring that he put in it, it, it everything his color scheme it just looks amazing and i love what he did i, I could zoom in you can see little hyper clean bottles and it's like yeah man you know i love it it's great did a great job he goes yeah i put it all in myself on my knees but without any knee pads <laughs> so he uh he wanted to make sure everybody in the community knew <laughs> that uh <laughs> thanks to derek uh that from djd detailing that he doesn't wear knee pads uh but uh That's others do so, thanks joe thanks for letting us know let's get an update from you man i know uh joe was able to put in flooring but yeah. you haven't yet huh so what's yeah. the shop looking like well, I took a couple of days off the end of last week, as you know, uh, but uh, the shop right now is, is still just basically my desk and the lift and all the necessary stuff to get a car done. Obviously, uh, we have a line on getting all the stuff hooked up for the pressure washing system, the whole DI, DI system uh, that will get completed. But, you know, again, I also have said for years and are now going on our second year on this podcast that 
a lot of people need to realize what October, November, and December means to a lot of people is that things kind of slow down. It's getting cooler. People aren't as quick. People are going to take all their vacation. You know, this is the time of year when, when a lot of us need to kind of get our wrap our brain around things may not be as quick, but my flooring, because we wanted to do a special color scheme and things like that, 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 that go with our logo and that kind of thing, it, it was been delayed. And now that company's has announced a, a price increase. I don't know that's, that's going to hit me, but it just brings up a lot of realities that, you know, if they can't deliver when they say they're going to deliver, I'll get my money back and we'll have to go in a separate direction. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to be loyal to a point, you know, they gave me a date. They said, we should have everything this day. I mean, according to people that know that company really well, that are one of the biggest vendors for that company, uh, that may not be the case. So I'm going to let everybody do their job uh, until they, they fail to, to have this extended delivery time not actually, you know, happen. Uh, but again, flooring doesn't make or break my business. Uh, obviously, I want it done. I want it right. I want it our way. But you know, we still have cars scheduled. We still have cars coming in. Customers largely don't care. Um, it's more of a pride thing for you, the business owner, than it is something that impresses them. Uh, and, and we all take pride in what we do, but ultimately it's not slowing us down at all. All right. But uh, getting pushed back, I guess, still shortages, quote unquote. Uh, I, anything I, else you know, that you're hearing is being pushed back from shortages? it's going to be a pretty interesting time because I think everybody still believes it's going to change. I mean, we see a lot of people, I mean, it doesn't, not just the detailers, but you know, we've been hearing about chemical companies struggling to get shipments out in a timely manner. Uh, anybody that does business with us, or if you haven't at this point, we deliver just as fast as Amazon these days. Uh, you know, we don't pat ourselves on the back about it all the time, but I'm here to tell you, if a company struggling as bad as we hear some of these people are struggling, they just didn't pay attention 18 months ago. They did not start to order extra. They did not look at their vendors that maybe they're doing business with and bringing stuff over. They didn't problem solve 18 months ago. And now <laughs> they're asking some really wild stuff. I mean, I, I hear guys that sell, that sell pressure washers and different things like that saying, Hey, I'm just going to take your money. And when they come in, we'll send them to you. Uh, I got no problem with that. I mean, it's, it's, a, as long as you're honest that that's what you're doing, but then there's a theory of why didn't you order quadruple or 10, 10 X 18 months ago, because you didn't really watch what was happening. You wanted to believe that something in eight for 18 months, we've been telling people this is coming keep getting prepared. And I think as a company, the, the thing we can pat ourselves on the back is we have been prepared. We we've bought extra, you know, uh, raw chemical. We've bought extra bottles when we didn't really need to. I mean, you remember the story when we first got our bottles, we basically bought the entire stock of bottles at the time because we were frightened. Uh, so we had to upgrade our warehouse. I mean, all the things we did as a company 18 months ago started and we just kept doing it with the knowledge that things were going to get shakier and shakier. And now, I mean, from what I heard, I don't go to the grocery store, uh, Jess handles it, but from what I've heard, we're now starting to see shortages in the food market, uh, on different products when you go to the store from time to time. And, you know, 18 months, man, we've been saying it. I, I hope, uh, those out there have been listening. I mean, you could even just say in 2021, 
you know, we definitely pushed hard in 2021 about what's going to be happening way sooner than 18 months ago. You yeah. Know, like, you mean more, yeah. way more recent than 18 months ago. I mean, we, yeah, 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 we yeah, started yeah. talking yeah, 18 yeah, months yeah. ago. My bad. We kept telling people this is happening and we've, we've hit it so hard in 2021 and not because we're trying to be right about something. It's because we're trying to tell you guys, Hey, if you need something, you've got to get it. You, you've got to find somebody to work with to get it because there's so many people that are making so many excuses and I understand it. Some of the stuff is out of everyone's hands, but also that shows you the mismanagement 18 months ago. Yeah, that's, that's kind of my point is that this stuff was so obvious to those paying attention and they just keep putting in the minimum order or working with people that aren't, aren't very good at what they do to get the job done during a tough time. And, you know, you, you got to take that stuff into account because what if this goes on another two, three years? going to let your business be affected because so-and-so can't get your product in time. And I actually will share a story that has nothing to do with the pandemic. This happened to me with AutoGeek, a company we all respect. I mean, they were one of the first e-commerce businesses in the detailing world, but living on the West coast, I could never get anything from them in a timely manner. It took like 10 days when everybody else was giving me stuff in three or four days. And so I'd have to be like three weeks out to guarantee I got something from them because they always came from so deep inside of Florida, it doesn't get to Vegas or San Diego or those types of places in a timely manner. And they never adjust it. And this is what's happening now is that people want to tell you that they're adjusting, but they're adjusting too late. They just didn't see what was happening. And maybe they didn't listen to us. I don't know. Maybe they need to turn on the Pints of Policy podcast. Need to be a part of community, huh? Exactly. Yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. know. It was pretty easy to see, but you know, some people really struggle to see it, I guess. All right. So one of the things that people struggle with, and this is, uh, listen, I, I've had a few complaints. Uh, when I was a mobile detailer, I specifically remember, and I've shared this story. There was a time I had a guy complain so much that his, uh, secretary had to call me. So, that, and she was complaining so heavy that I said, ma'am, let me finish what I'm doing. I'll drive over and take a look at the car because they made it out that, I mean, it was yeah. damaged. I had that, they weren't going to move the car until I come to look at it. Well, I get there and it's just simply a fucking streak on the, on the, on the passenger front, right above the tire. Right. And I go, you know what? I don't even think it was, I think I maybe like had bent down to maybe get a piece of the tire, you know, or maybe it was tire shine or something. I don't remember. And I think it was my arm. Right. I think I had put my arm up there for just a moment or something and then probably didn't remember to wipe it off. Said no problem. Wiped it off, went in, told him that it was just a streak. It came off very easily with the towel. And I drove all the way over, stopped my day to make sure that they were taken care of. When we moved over to the car wash, right, you know, my journey was selling my business opening up a car wash with some customers that were my customers from the detailing business. Then we moved into a car wash together. Those complaints did happen a little bit more regularly, right? Yeah. You've got, you got automation, you got people, more people involved. You got Numbers hundreds game. of cars. And uh, you know, when people would complain, I would always ask them to bring the car back in, right? Natural. Let us fix what you're having an issue with curious from you 
because this is a thing that we're seeing a lot more on groups that customers are starting to complain more. Now, is that because the customer base is starting to feel the financial pinch? And so they're having to try and force as much as they can out of their paycheck. And if they see an issue, then they want to call and make a complaint, hoping to get a discount. I don't know. But there seems to be a lot more people in groups saying that more people are complaining about their work. What would you do? You get a phone call that says, hey, right? So one particular was, there was all these stains, but then they missed the headrest, right? They missed, missed not the headrest, they missed the uh, headliner, right? Or, hey, you, you clean these seats, but they didn't come out all the way. You get that phone call, how do you handle it? <laughs> Man, complaints are a tricky thing, aren't they? I, uh, I think there's levels to it. Is this somebody that's being reasonable? You actually made a mistake. You're human. Your business is filled with humans. Things are going to happen. Did you actually make a mistake? If you did, then I think that that customer and how they come about the complaint needs to be respected, right? If you have a customer that's very respectful and says, Hey, Marty, you missed some spots you know, no big deal. Can you come rectify it? Yeah, I can come out tomorrow morning. Great. I, I handle that customer very different than an irrational customer. You know, one of the things everybody wants is some kind of playbook of how to handle all of these situations. And the truth is, I handle it the way that the customer acts with me. The customer is respectful and we made a mistake. You know, part of the reason that you pay elite money as a customer, whether you're buying from us at HyperClean or somebody's paying what they pay to, to be involved with, with Vegas Rides, my detailing company, the reason that I charge the top of the market is because people can pick up the phone and we will rectify a mistake, right? That's part of being at the elite level is you sort of warranty your own work, so to speak, is that they know you'll stand behind what you do. And that's part of being an elite company. But let's say I have an irrational customer. And a customer is just going off and a customer is being disrespectful and a customer, I, I tend to meet that with a little bit more blunt force because I don't think it's right for anybody to talk to anybody that way. Like, it's just a car. It's just a mistake. It's just a missed spot. You know, I don't want my phone blown up. I don't want 500 text messages. Those are red flags to me. So I'm going to handle that customer a little bit differently. Uh, but I think sometimes what people don't want to say is, hey, I made a mistake. And that sometimes just takes the air out of the balloon, right? It takes somebody from level 10 pissed off to, hey, I'm human. If we missed a spot, ma'am, I'll be out there. I'll make sure to rectify it for you. So I think sometimes it's just about saying, hey, if we did something wrong, I'm going to make it right. And all of a sudden the air in the balloon comes out and they're not as, they're not as hot at you and those types of things. And you get to then have a real discussion. But if you get an irrational customer, there is no playbook. I mean, it, it, people can say that there are, but other than rectifying the problem, what if you have an irrational customer where there's actually no issue, which happens? Guess what? It's not going to end well. They never end well. I mean, there is, no, there is no way to make it end well. That irrational human being is not going to be talked off the ledge. And that's happened to every business owner if you've been in business long enough. So 
rational customer. Hey, not happy. One theory that many detailers do is they say, okay, let me give you a discount then. No. Let me give you some money back since you're not happy. Yeah, I, I, I don't do that because here's what the problem is. If I give them 20 bucks back or I give them 100 bucks back, they're still going to see the stain. They're still going to see the bad work and they're still going to be pissed off about it. And they're going to forget about that money you gave them back in five seconds. Because again, it's a lot of the games people play as customers. If I have somebody that, that won't let me rectify it, if it is a rational customer, just go fix what you messed up. You should want to fix your work anyway. So if it's a rational customer, one way we could figure out if it's rational or irrational is a rational customer is going to say, yeah, just come fix it. Yep. hundred percent. Anybody that's doing the right thing as a customer, and this goes for any walk of life. You know, we send products to people. We see the same thing, right? Like we know who's rational and we know who's irrational. It happens in every business. One of the things that detailers, especially in these groups and especially in these training programs and quotes, love to make you believe that the detailing world is different than the regular world, that everybody else is doing business in some different universe than we are. Irrational and rational customers exist in every industry, right? And rational people like you or me let the business rectify the mistake. You don't lose your shit on the first email or the first text message or anything like that. You just say, Hey man, left something out of the box. Can you uh, send that out to me? Here's the picture of the box. Yeah. yeah. Hey, it's our bad, man. We send it out and every nobody's nobody has this adverse reaction to one another, right? You don't have this adversarial relationship when detailers, and customers realize they're in a relationship. You're not a customer and you're not a provider. You're in a relationship. Somebody needs you to solve a problem and you're going to solve it. In that world, you're going to make some mistakes. You're going to miss some spots. Uh, you're going to come up short. You're going to be having a bad day and, and go too quickly. That stuff's going to happen. And rational customers, which ask yourself as a detailer, are you a rational customer? Part of the reason a lot of people have a lot of these incidents in their business is because that's how they act when they're the customer. One of the craziest things is that most of my customers are super rational people. I don't have a ton of these so-called incidents and people can say, well, I'm lucky you, you do business or is it because that's how I act on the other side of my life when I'm a customer, you attract what you are. I have, I can't remember, I, I don't think I've ever done it. I've never picked up the phone and yelled at anybody that provided me a service or a product or anything. I've never done it. I've never cared enough to be a jackass on the phone and yell and scream at somebody. So isn't it amazing that that really has never happened to me? Or is that just what I attract? I attract very rational, good people that understand that they're in a relationship with a detailer. And sometimes every now and then they're going to make a mistake and I'm going to call them and I'm going to let them rectify it. 
But I find that a lot of people in those groups that if you looked at the other side of their life, they would be emailing people like us when we left the bottle of something out of their, uh, out of their package and they would just rip us a new one and, and, and type really bad things, or they would call us a million times. Or they text us a month. See what I'm saying? So then they get it on the other side on their business and they, they're just baffled, man, why do I get all this? Well, you don't treat people very well when you're the customer. So magically you attract people that seem to have that same kind of attitude. And I think that stuff does matter. Well, I think it, I think it happens. Not that it just matters. I think you're right. And I, I bet you, if we all took a look at our customer base, we would start to find profiles of personalities of ways they go about things, their processes, the way they think through things that would symbolize a reason why they're one of our customers, right? There's, there is <laughs> yep. that relationship that we can all agree upon, whether that's a formal or it's just a, something that fucking happens when you're just exactly. around people and they just exactly. go, okay, I kind of like this guy, you know? Yeah. And, and look, if you're loud and gregarious, if you go through your customers, you're more likely to attract loud and gregarious people. When you go to my customer base, if they never see me for 10 years, they're thrilled. Well, magically, that's the way that I like my life. Like, hey, you provide a service to my house. Dude, just do your thing. Don't text me. Don't call me. Tell me what I owe you. Stay out of my hair. I'll stay out of your hair. I hired you. You're a professional. And magically, magically, I have 99% of my customers that fit exactly how I act, exactly how I it just, like you said, it's, it's unspoken. And this is what guys don't want to realize. That's what it, people mean when you attract like-minded people. It just sort of happens. You, it's not like you go out there and manifest it by saying something every morning. It just, you are who you attract. You know what I mean? Like that's the way that it works. And the reason we have a customer base that leaves us alone is I really feel like I leave everybody in my life alone. My guys pretty much run the business autonomously. You know, I help them where I have to. I step in if we make a mistake, but they're not getting babysat 24-7. And magically, our customers don't get don't babysit us 24-7. Guys can think this is corny or that this doesn't happen. Every successful business owner will tell you the exact opposite, that magically, all of their customers pretty much act how they want them to act. Hmm. Interesting. That is interesting. As we are the most influential podcast on the market, it no will be interesting to see when that evolves later into another podcast and other people start to come out with that same theory. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, All right. So you've been installing uh, quite a bit of PPF and I know that's going to be a, a, a thing that you do through your shop. Um, yeah. One of the cool parts of PPF and that helped me the just to, just that average guy, right? You know, yeah. help me right. understand PPF paint protection film is different than a, uh, than a, a film that goes across the paint that has paint on it. Right. Okay, there's, a, so there's a clear PPF and then there is this thing called a wrap. Okay. Right? Yeah. So, so you got vinyl wrap and then you got PPF. Then you have matte paint which is actually applied like regular paint. So, you know, and you have matte PP, no, matte yeah, yeah, vinyl, you have matte right? PP, no, no, you have matte vinyl, but now you have what's called, you know, the product is called stealth PPF. Uh, 
that basically will take a you know red car and make it matte red with the finish on the PPF making uh, the the car sort of stealth or matte finish. Okay, when so they say matte, three different types of mats. Yeah, you have you have what's called frozen paint, which is a BMW term. Okay, which is matte paint. You have matte wrap, which is a vinyl product that has no protective, you know, uh, it has no protection. Okay. If you get a rock chip, it's going to rock chip the underlying paint PPF now has a protective, uh, element to it, you know, six, 10 mils, seven mils, whatever, 11 mils, uh, depends on the manufacturer, but it can come in a stealth finish where it actually allows you to mat your car, but also protect it at the same time. Now, color change is coming. I just got an email from somebody that sells me some PPF. They're bringing multiple colors to the market. I'm sure everybody's following suit, where now you can change the color of your car with PPF, uh, you know, and that kind of thing. The world's going a little bit uh, crazy with all of this in a good way. I mean, this is just what happens. It's, It's advancing and, you know, PPF is now available to, to, to have a matte finish, which is, which is great. I mean, this is all good stuff. Uh, but the, the thing that we see is, is a lot of weirdness around how do we protect these surfaces? You know, how do we protect a vinyl matte wrap? How do we protect a frozen paint system or a matte paint system from a manufacturer? And, and I think that's what we want to discuss today. So how do you do it? Well, let's kind of start with a, with a weird comment that keeps getting made. Okay. I shared this on HyperClean Nick Instagram stories. This is what got it all started because I get a bunch of questions and the questions make me think. So keep sending in questions. The questions are a great thing, tool for Marty and I to not only get better in our company, provide us ideas with solutions we can come up with to help you guys, but also for topics to talk about and hopefully educate and get some knowledge out there that'll help guys just getting started or people that have never come across things like Matt Payne. So there's a lot of marketing hype around, you should use XYZ product because we are, we uh, consulted with an OEM or we're used by an OEM, you know, Hyundai or Lexus or uh, Ferrari or whoever. Okay. I've been pretty lucky in my lifetime that I've been asked to be involved in some OEM discussions, been paid to be in some OEM consults. I've had all kinds of things with OEMs. And I'm always respectful that I've been asked to, to do that kind of stuff. But that doesn't really mean anything to you developing a Mac care system. You want to know why? When you do stuff with an OEM, you realize how little the OEM understands. They're just big, giant corporations that are just trying to get a car out the door. So I shared a Lexus that had a matte paint system. Now, I could technically say we worked with an OEM on this matte paint system because we did. We talked to all the executives at Lexus that were involved in the paint system. We talked to people that were involved in the marketing of this paint system. It was the first one that they were bringing to market. And you'll never believe the ridiculousness that they said, Hey, wash the car with water only. They never advocated using a soap. This was actually in their initial literature. So my question is why, what positive would I say, Hey, I worked with an OEM on matte paint care. 
Does anybody think that's positive when the entire team thought you should just wash matte paint with water? You want to know why? They didn't know anything about it. Their provider, let's call it PPG, gave them this paint system. They put it on a car and figured out the manufacturing process. They then shoved it out the door. That was the end of their relationship with the matte paint. They never took care of it for 10 years. They never took care of it for five minutes. They just literally put on the paint system that they were helped, that they had a company help them develop. And then they sent it to the dealer to be sold to the customer. So what is it? What benefit do I get working with an OEM that doesn't know what they're talking about? But you see people use that as marketing hype. And I would guess as a, as a person that knows a lot of people in this industry that, that, that say these types of things, that if we sat down in front of each other and I said, why don't you explain to me the benefit of that? They wouldn't be able to explain it. So what happens is the customer, you, the detailer, new guy, new person, you've never worked with matte paint before. You're, you're very confused because you think you have to, well, my customer's bringing in a matte car care, matte uh, car to my facility. I need to buy all these matte care products, right? Because they say matte on them. And you trust that that person who says they're working with an OEM, that that means something in the development of the matte car care. But doesn't what matter is that people that have done it a lot will be able to tell you more than the manufacturer. And that was the instance that we had with Lexus. When I talked with Lexus, I knew infinitely more than their chief engineers of the paint system. Not because I'm smarter. They know more about getting the paint on the surface than I do right? They know more about the chemical makeup of the paint than I do. They don't know what happens out in the real world to make that car look good for a long period of time. I think that's a pretty accurate statement. It, it's always been amazing over the years when you constantly see a problem with the vehicle and then you always see it never getting changed. There, there's no doubt, right? And this has nothing to do with Matt, but the, but the same theory of your story, GMC black paint is still what everybody always complains about. And it's like, they're never going to change it. They yeah, they care. know it's a, so, so if I say I worked with that OEM, people would be like, oh, wow, that OEM talked to, to Nick. That's unbelievable. If the paint still stinks, what, what, did it, what did it matter? I just heard their part of the story. Now, again, I'll always welcome an OEM wanting to talk to me, especially the ones that pay for that kind of talk. It's great. It's great to give your input. But guys, this is what I mean. Understand the difference between marketing hype and things that actually benefit you in the real world. And again, there's always a balance, right? We all buy into a little bit of marketing hype. That's why it works. But then when you're talking about your business, you need to separate that marketing hype and say, okay, we take care of a few Mac cars every year. Do I need to bring in a whole system to care for these cars? Because now that's adding a cost to your business. Or let's say you're a DIYer out there. Are you, you're going to take up more of your cabinet space and are you really getting anything out of it? And I always say the, the big point of Mac car care is simple. You just don't want that car to turn chalky. You don't want it to look like matte and worn out. You want it to have a nice little slight sheen to it that keeps it from getting that like white chalkiness to it that makes the car look bad and so what works on that 
hyper clean dose is what we used on the Lexus. We wash it with foam wash every week, the product we had in development. And now we've launched and we top it with slick. And there's not a better looking matte Lexus in the United States. Now, had I listened to that manufacturer that asked me to consult with them, I would have a chalky matte looking car because I would have just used water and you still have to nourish the paint because it's paint, right? I, if I have a good process and procedure, it's going to work on a lot of painted surfaces. Our process and procedure is going to work on gel coat. Everybody tells you, you got to treat gel coat. No, no, heavily oxidized gel, gel coat. We need to have a conversation about well cared for boats magically respond really well to a great process and procedure like your car has. RVs are the same thing. The only time they become special is when somebody has let some damage or oxidation happen. Hey, don't try to go out there and, and do a boat. Just put a rotary and a wool pad on it. This thing has got 15 years of oxidation on it. That's going to work way more effective, right? That's the only time things really change. But boats are really easy to care for if they're actually cared for. And you magically, all your processes from the car will go over to the boat because it's damn near the same thing. Not perfectly the same thing, but damn near the same thing. And same goes with matte car care. If I thought, hey, we can make a matte car look better, you and I have already had a conversation, and we'd be developing matte car care. And maybe that comes along, but I don't see that today. Not with ceramic products. You look at how Dose, our foam wash, and Slick does on that Lexus. There's no way to make a matte car look any better. So keep it simple. So a question that I get quite a bit is, what coating do I put on a matte finish? Because there is a very concern that I'm going to magically, by putting a ceramic coating on a matte vehicle, I'm going to magically make it glossy, right? Yep. Like it's the theory, since I make paint glossy by putting a coating on, then the coating will transform the matte into glossy. And that customer didn't want glossy, it wanted matte. And I, I mean, I kind of understand the one plus one equals five, but I don't really fully understand how well, one plus you're, one you're right, five. but here's the reason why. How many people have we had to educate that ceramic coating doesn't magically make your paint way harder? It takes on properties of the underlying paint system, right? Like you'll get some hardness effect, but you're not going to get, you're not going to go from easy, easiest car ever to scratch to a car that never gets scratched right? You're not going to, you're not going to jump those levels. You're not going to go from a car that isn't polished and really, really shined up to a really, really shiny car just by putting a coating on it, right? There's things that get you to those levels. This is why we don't sell ceramic as a magic pill. We just sell ceramic for what it can actually do. If you understand ceramic coating and you understand that ceramic takes on the underlying properties of what it's put on, then there's no reason to believe that ceramic coating would change the properties of a matte finish because it's going to soak in and bond with that paint system the way that paint system is developed. 
okay? It doesn't magically just sit in suspended air and make it this glass surface. It's got to be flexible. And the only way that it's flexible is to actually bond with the surface, right? That's the way it becomes flexible and it doesn't crack off. You don't see glass shards flying everywhere when you drive down the road, right? Like this sounds silly, but this is the actual basic level of science of it is that when it bonds to that underlying, all it's doing is providing a richness to whatever it is that that underlying surface is. So it provides a richness to a black GMC Denali. Now we call it gloss, but really what it is, is just makes it look richer, makes it look a lot more bright, a lot, but it doesn't really do as much as people think to the eye, right? It just makes it a little more richer and it does the same thing to Matt. It just makes Matt a little more richer, a little, adds a little depth to it that keeps it from having this chalky property that matte finishes can have. And I see it all the time where somebody has bought into what the OEM told them. We had this on a BMW when they first released frozen paint guy could not figure out for life and why it started to look bad so quickly. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, well, I just like wash it with soap really quick. And then I just dry it off. And it's like, you got to nourish it. Just like you have to nourish a regular paint system, which is basically what we do with maintenance and, chemicals and all the things we do as detailers, you're nourishing the paint. You got to treat Matt the same way. And I really feel for guys because it's tough to pick apart what's real and what's not. And when it comes to Matt paint care, if you have really, really dialed in processes and procedures, feel confident that they're going to hold up with a Matt paint system. Uh, I'll tell you what's difficult though. And what process we need some help on though, Nick, what if, you just happen to leave a little bit of coating and at high spots. That's what I always tell people. I said, listen, you and I use a lot of the same words. And I, I talk about that, how it makes it richer and it makes a matte look. I mean, it's not going to make it glossy. It's just going to make it look richer. Yep. But whatever you do, no matter, do not leave a high spot because what happens? Oh, yeah. You, you, you see it and it looks different. It looks splotchy on the surface. You know, it looks splotchy. You know, you're, you're going to see a, a spot that looks very different than the other parts of the, of the matte finish is what, what I've seen. When we do matte finishes, there is no way to leave a high spot. We will do a three towel method. We will, we will really, really say there's, we can't have a problem. Now, this is where you have to catch it quick and try to reactivate that product. And you better hope that you get lucky because maybe you don't, but I haven't heard a great way. Maybe you have a great trick. I don't have a great trick on fixing a high spot on Matt, but I also will say this, the product will soak in a lot more. The odds of a high spot, I think are less because it is soaking into that paint system. Matte paint seems to be a little more porous. Uh, you, you need to just be so careful of doing it the right way. Make sure you're confident in how you do things. But I, I said this when we did the hyper clean or we did it on total auto solutions and I did a tutorial on me applying dose. I don't care about wiping an extra time. I, I don't care about overlapping a lot. I, I just don't because the coding process is the end result that I'm looking for and I want to get it right. 
I haven't had a severe problem with high spots since the beginning of me using coatings. And it's because I literally have a process that's so overkill. <laughs> My process is overkill and it's overkill that may add five to 10 minutes to the end. Doesn't add hours. And so when you're doing matte paint, check all your edges, make sure I'm not pushing from panel to panel, but a lot of it self levels, man. It's really easy to work with. You use a product like Una or Dose. It's kind of it's kind of easy to work with. Like I don't have that much issue with matte. I actually think it's much easier than paint. Just like I think trim is the easiest thing to coat in the world, and people freak out about doing trim. I've had to explain to people just relax, let it soak into the trim. <laughs> it's porous. It'll self level, and that you know people thank me all the time for telling them that. It's like, dude, I see all these people like wipe, wipe, wipe their trim. It's like, Hey, watch the coding. It'll tell you what's happening. So hopefully we can help a little bit. Matt paint. Don't be scared. If you got a good process and you got some confidence, you'll be just fine. All right. And if, if anybody needs help with Matt or anything else, I bet you they could find you this Wednesday on the community pub because yeah. I'm going to be at Oktoberfest. I'm going to be drinking some more of most likely this spatting beer, which I, uh, I do enjoy. It is uh, it is a regular one that we find there. If anybody goes to a German style place, Spatten is a, a good regular uh, Oktoberfest brand. So I'm going to be drinking quite a bit of beer and uh, they can pick your brain on the community yeah. pub. So, We're going to do like a Q&A probably. That's probably yeah. what's going to be like. Hey guys, let's just get on and chit chat. And you know, what do you guys got going on? What do you see? Business questions, coding questions, whatever. So we'll have a good time. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, Nick, enjoy your week, man. Thanks for the great info and uh, have fun at the pub. Thank you, brother. See ya. Hey, if you got anything out of this, listen, there's a lot of great information. I see this each time. Please go leave a review, go share it with others, but also take the time for yourself, right? Think through your business. How would it be more beneficial for you to be a part of community? So, Join us on the Community Pub every Wednesday night, 7.30 Central, Zoom ID 918-800-1188. And this is for you to take time to invest into yourself, invest in your business, and be a part of community. Looking forward to Mobile Tech 2022. Sheldon, what can you tell us all about it? Well, uh, we're back at the Rosen Shingle Creek. That's where we're in 2020. That was the most successful Mobile Tech Expo we've ever had in the 21 years. So really looking forward to that. Um, you know, it's been a while since a lot of us got to see each other. So we're really looking forward to, you know, having some welcome back parties, lots of hands-on education and just a really great, you know, three days, January 27th through 29th, uh, Orlando at the Rosen Shingle Creek. And where do people go to sign up? Registration is open at mobiletechexpo.com. As always, you can use code PINTS, P-I-N-T-S, to save 15% off uh, your expo or uh, education day pass. That's awesome. All right, community, go now. Register today at mobiletechexpo.com and use discount code PINTS for 15% off. Sheldon, thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Mm -hmm.